if you want to do something, it's on you. It's, it's no one else's problem. It's no one else's fault. No one's going to save you. No one's yeah. going to discover you on a street <laughs> corner because you're just so wonderful. Like You are listening to You Are a Lawyer. I'm Kyla Denagio, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the successes of law school graduates in non-traditional careers or with exciting hobbies. In episode 65, I am speaking with a podcast producer and lawyer. This guest began teaching others how to podcast and turned his hobby into a media empire. Based in Raleigh, North Carolina, today's guest is Robert Ingalls. Welcome to the podcast, Robert. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So would you share a little bit about your background with the audience? Sure. That that's a that's a big question for somebody like me who likes to talk. <laughs> so you might want to rein me in if you need to. Okay. So I I'm a father, uh, probably before everything else, a husband. I was a lawyer for about seven years, and now I am a podcast producer geared towards law firms. Mm-hmm. And that's the short answer. But I'll I'll expound upon that a little bit. Yeah. I practiced law for about seven years. I started in criminal defense. I found that to be a little bit in, in conflict with who I was as a person. Okay. Then I got into some basic civil work, some contract stuff, things like that. And I enjoyed trial immensely. It's really mm-hmm. the only thing I miss. But the constant conflict all the time with lawyers and everything like that was really difficult for me. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't have a word to describe what was happening, but it was anxiety. It was severe anxiety. Okay. And I just, I, but I knew at the time, like this is not working for me. And to make the long story short, I got married and we decided to have children. And that was the moment when I went, Oh no, like I can't, <laughs> I cannot be someone's father. And, and feel the way I'm feeling right now. Like I was barely keeping my head above water. And then the idea that I would be responsible for another small person who mm-hmm. would lean on me for everything was just too much to bear. And so that started a very cool and difficult and, and wild journey that took me from being a litigation attorney into producing podcasts for some of the largest brands in the world okay. and doing something that I actually love. Like I show up, we're about to do something cool today. And I have <laughs> never experienced something like that. Yeah. So did you go through the same or a similar anxiety event when you guys realized you wanted to have a family or was it different from practicing law? It was a little different. I, okay. what made me most anxious about being a father was how unhappy I was with my life. Yes. I knew, I mean, from my earliest memories, one of the few things I have always known about myself was I wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. I just, it felt that maybe it's a biological imperative, but it it always felt like, of course I will. And, you know, my wife was a little less sure when we got married and, and I was okay with that. I was like, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew that if we were going to, I wanted to, like, I just knew it. And so it wasn't so much the anxiety of being a father. It was more around being a bad father because of how stressed and unhappy I was in my life. And it was a situation where I was looking at my day-to-days and I was so overwhelmed and, and again, anxious. And I don't know, I grew up in the eighties. There was a lot of movies that had this like corporate banker, lawyer, dad yeah, who was uber successful and drove a nice car, lived in a big house. And was and never around. Never around. <laughs> and his kids resented him and yeah. they had all the things they wanted, but they didn't like love him that way. And that was yeah. just, that is what I felt. And it was a terrifying thought to me. Like, I don't want to be that person. I want to be around. I want to be deeply involved. 
And I felt like that's the path I was on. Like okay. that's where I would be going if I did that. And so what I ended up doing was sitting down and making a list after I had a proper freak out, um, <laughs> mostly unbeknownst to my wife. Yeah. And I sat down and I made a list and it had about five things on it. And the top of that list was bad money management. Okay. Got to get my money together. Like just had no skills in that area. Wasn't honestly, wasn't making enough. And so that took me to a book, which took me to a second book by the same author, which said, Hey, listen to our podcast hmm. and took out my phone. I pressed play and here we are. Wow. <laughs> I love that. that. <laughs> yeah. I have a little girl who'll be two this summer. And oh. let me tell you, I was like, wait, all I need is a car seat and I get to leave the hospital. Like what's, where's the rest? <laughs> right. Like, aren't you going to send someone with me to make sure I do this right? Yeah. I was like, wait, there has to be so much more. And they're like, no, I mean, yeah, I expect it more. I yeah. hear that. What I really do appreciate about this moment in time is our parents didn't have access to the resources mm -hmm. that the, the, certainly my parents that just, they just weren't there. Like there yeah. may have been like one or two books in the back of the bookstore and the resources that we were provided with were so extensive because yeah. uh, we had our first one who's just five now, but we also had a pandemic baby. Thankfully we had done the trial run, right? <laughs> um, but it's still really helpful to have, to, to really have had that access to like, oh, I need a book on this specific stage in my child's life. Oh yes. yeah, we, we've got seven or eight on that specific stage. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I mean, honestly, access. hats off to the last generation. They did a great job keeping us alive without yeah. any resources. <laughs> 100%. So when you say that severe anxiety, and now you're working with some of the largest you know, companies and law firms and things like that to produce their podcast, that can also be anxiety producing is the fact that you so profoundly enjoy what you're doing now? Does that kind of remove the anxiety from your work? I think so. I think it's probably a two-part answer. It does help that I am supremely confident in what I do. I mean, that took okay. some years of really getting to it, but I know what I'm doing. I'm extremely good at it. And I know that. Yeah. And, and so I feel very confident and I enjoy what I'm doing. But at the same time, the stakes are a lot lower. I actually speak on mental health with lawyers now because I'm mm -hmm. very passionate about it on the other side of my issues. And the stakes are so high for a lot of lawyers. Uh, yeah. I was faced with this a lot of times, even if I didn't make a mistake, sometimes my client went to jail and that hurt me every single time. I absolutely think that the decision maker probably made the right decision, but it still hurts to see that person deprived of their freedom. And perhaps it was your fault. Right. And then even on the civil side, when things don't go your way or things do go your way and they don't go your way as well as maybe your client would have wanted, it's yeah. very heavy. And there's so many areas to make a mistake. And one of the mental health people that works with NC Lap here in North Carolina, Lawyers Assistance Program, she said something to me that really resonated. She said, being a lawyer can sometimes be like you're a surgeon and you're doing everything you can with these life-saving measures to save this patient. Yeah. And on the other side of the table, there's an equally skilled doctor trying to kill the patient. <laughs> okay. That's that's what law is like for a lot of people. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, girl, you nailed it for me. Like, that's what it felt like. Somebody's always trying to like come in from the back door and destroy everything. Yeah. And it, it was very intense for me. So the stakes were really high in that area. And that was one of the things that made it really difficult for me. Yeah. And I love that example because not only is there someone on the other side of the table trying to kill that patient, but that's their job, mm -hmm. right? Someone is paying them. They are hired to do that. And it's, it's a double-edged sword, sounds like. Right. So, it is. And then yeah. 
throw in the unknown of what kind of mood is the judge going to be in today? Oh yeah. <laughs> because like, that's something I don't think you account for yeah. when you're younger is you show up and the judge will just do something crazy. I'm not yeah. a lawyer anymore, so I don't feel like I have to worry about that. But <laughs> we all, we've all been there where yeah. the judge just does something crazy. And you're like, what? Like, there's no way I would have prepared for this because no one would do this. Yeah. And, and then those things happen. And that's such an unknown. And there's a lot of moving factors. And in my career, just it's not as heavy. It, it yeah. really isn't. I feel like other people who have left the law behind who struggled with some mental health have said similar things. Mm -hmm. But I remember exactly where I was sitting when opposing counsel walked in the door and said, if you'll hit us right here where we think you'll hit us, we're good. Yeah. And we said, yeah, we're done. And in that moment, I was like, bring the papers, please bring the papers. <laughs> like, let's get this thing signed. And that was it. Yeah. And I, and I had no idea just how heavy all of that was until yeah. I knew it was over. Well, I'm happy that you were able to transition into something else that you really enjoy. Oh, me too. Me too. I mean, it was, you know, it was a little bumpy, but it was, uh, it was, it was great. Yeah. Being a lawyer is incredible. And that's part of why I titled the podcast this, because to me, once you've graduated from law school, you're always a lawyer, right? Oh, yeah. You always have that legal education. You have that background, that knowledge. But also if it doesn't serve you and if it's not serving your mental health, please do something else, please. Even if that means switching from criminal defense to a different practice, or if it means completely removing yourself and beginning to produce podcasts like you're doing. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's okay. And a lot of people are able to do that. They're able to pivot to a new practice area and go, ah, this is where I can feel fulfillment. This is where yeah. I can do something. And then there's a lot of people who are just like me that just aren't fit for it, that go out and find a new area. And yeah. You know, I've run into this a lot in my personal life with my friends and colleagues and people I know because they kind of come to me and say, well, what do you think? And a lot of them struggle to leave because it's in their identity. They are a lawyer. Yeah. They spent their entire life in so much money yeah. going to law school. And, and it became such a such a part of who they were that they couldn't turn around and tell everyone who supported them for so long. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And they struggle with that. But they also struggle with, well, how will I pay my loans? I've got these huge loans. How, like, I'm making reasonable money now. How am I going to leave this? Yeah. I, and I get that because I was very much in a position like that. Thankfully, I really wasn't making that much money. I made less money after law school than I did before. Oh, yeah. So I, there's also that because they're like, <laughs> okay, you have this degree, but you're a baby shark. Right. I get to teach you all the stuff. You don't have the practical experience. And it's right. Like, uh -oh. And the practice of law is just different now. Yeah. There's a lot more lawyers out there competing for space. Yeah. But for people, they struggle with the money. And I tell them, look, there are lots of jobs mm -hmm. where you might not want to necessarily do that job, but there's lots of bridges out there. Yeah. And for example, for me, I left the practice of law. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I finally, I had a lot of different ventures. I ended up picking the one that I'm doing now, mm -hmm. but it was really slow going in the beginning. And yeah. so what I did is I went and got a bank job in compliance Okay. and it's very in demand, great yeah. space for lawyers to land. Yeah. And you know, your mileage may vary, but I have a lot of friends that do the same thing. And it's compared to being a trial lawyer, it's mm -hmm. pretty easy work. And compliance is very much so, I want to say it's legal adjacent, but it is legal aspect. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> You're like trying to comply to a law or a statute somewhere. So yeah. Absolutely. Like a big yeah. part of my job was, was helping the bank understand how these statutes would apply to them mm -hmm. if they really had teeth or if they were just more like, oh, we'll get you. And yeah. It was so it was a great space for somebody with a legal background. The, the work was really, really easy in comparison. It didn't mm -hmm. take it didn't suck my soul. So I was able to build a company on the side nights, weekends. And I tell people, so you might not really 
love that. That might not be your full-time career, but there's lots of jobs out there that are going to give you the creative space to perhaps explore something that you might also want to do. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're not so beat down and exhausted that you can't even think outside of work. Right. Yeah. So one other thing, and then um, I have a really big question I want to ask you, (laughs) but to your point about lawyers not realizing there's other things they can do, it's really hard for us to change our minds. Yes. Like within the last two years, I was like, wait, I can do something else because yes, the school, yes, the loans, yes, all of it. But it's like, I told myself I wanted to do this and now I don't. Can I do that? Right. (laughs) It's like, you can change your mind. You can decide to have Cheerios or you can have a different, you can change your mind on everything. And it's like, wow. Yes. And I'll tell you that is people, you know, people always ask you, what is your superpower? I always Mm -hmm. name like quite a few, but one of my superpowers is my ability to change my mind really fast now. Yeah. And that hasn't always been the case Um, Mm -hmm. for, for a couple of reasons. I grew up in a household that really valued being right. Okay. And, and, and that's just the way it was. They decided what they felt about it. And that was that. Yeah, there was, you know, and then if you were presented with evidence to the contrary, you didn't really consider that evidence. You just, you figured out ways to show that that evidence was wrong. (laughs) And then if somebody really got one in you, then you just got mad and started making ad hominem attacks on them. Yeah. And, and so that was very much, I mean, I'm from really great people, but Mm -hmm. that's just the way that we handled things. And so I had that instilled in me from a, from a very young age. And then you go to law school. And it's very similar. Like Mm -hmm. this is your side of the case and you don't get to change it. You don't get to change anything. And so you got to figure out new and creative ways why you are right. Mm -hmm. And so that just really just screwed it in even deeper for me (laughs) of of, you don't have to be wrong. Here's the way that you're right. Yeah. So I had a big mindset shift that was super necessary to allow me to do what I do now. And that was all part of that whole, like having a baby freaking out thing. Mm -hmm. And I read some books. One of them was called Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's an amazing book, but it really helped me shift the way I saw myself and I saw the world. I still don't like being wrong, Mm -hmm. but my superpower now is I don't have to be wrong any longer than it takes me to change my mind. The moment that I see evidence that the position I'm holding now isn't a correct position, I'm just going to change my mind. Like yeah. if there's good evidence and I'm, I don't, I'm not tied to it. My identity isn't tied to a specific thing. I just, I immediately will change my mind on something. And a- another part of that is I don't have to have an opinion on everything. Mm-hmm. I say, I don't know a lot because it's the weight of not having to have an opinion. Someone will, you know, they'll bring up politics with you and they'll say, well, what do you think about this? And I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think and, and they don't know what to do with that because they think <laughs> that you should have an opinion. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, I got to tell you like global economics and how that affects gas prices is above my head. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but there's strength in that. Just like if someone came to you and they were like, help me file for this divorce or adoption. And you're like, I didn't practice that kind of right. law. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Which I'll tell you is hard for a door lawyer when you're young. Anything that comes in the door, you're like, wait, you have money. I'll figure this out. <laughs> right. Yeah. 100%. So is the way that you were raised and how you were brought up, you know, jabbing at each other and kind of playing the dozens with each other. Is that what drew you into going to law school? I think it probably did. Yeah. There was a lot of spirited argument Mm -hmm. that went on, but there was also a very big fascination in my house. Uh, Mostly my mother. My grandmother was pretty fascinated too, but I think they both would have been tremendous lawyers. Okay. And they were always very fascinated with criminal defense. We watched a lot of City Confidentials, these old shows from like the 80s. The Unsolved Mysteries was a fun one, but. And I was very compelled by the victim side, but also 
by the accused side, because some of the stuff we would watch would be people who were wrongfully accused. And that was incredible to me. Mm -hmm. Someone who was just minding their business just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time would end up in jail. And you're like, that can't happen. Not, not where I live. Yeah. And that planted some really early seeds of, I want to help those people. Okay. That's an incredible place to be. And my parents were very supportive of the idea. But then the idea of being that lawyer who was standing up and making arguments, I was like, oh, (laughs) and I'll tell you, that is to this day, that's the only part I miss. Yeah. I miss standing up and talking and talking to the jury. It's so theatrical. It's so Mm -hmm. fun. And I do a lot of public speaking now on some big stages. And I have never found the feeling that I get in trial anywhere yet. It's the only thing I miss. So, yeah, that was my next question. I was curious if hosting a podcast gave you that same theatrical feeling. Or- it very much scratches that itch that I have. Okay. I, I'm very outgoing. I really like to talk to people. I like to throw ideas around. Like one of my favorite things to do is see an old friend, pour a glass of bourbon and just sort out the world's problems over the course of a <laughs> night. And, and podcasting is very similar to that. where you get to talk to so many different people. And one of the things I love about podcasting is, you know, if I had shot you an email and I was like, Hey, will you just talk to me for like 30 or 45 minutes next week? I just want to see like some things that you think about. You're like, I don't have time for this dude. (laughs) I have a life, but because you have a podcast, it gives us a platform Mm -hmm. to do something interesting together. That is also of benefit for other people. So we get to meet each other. We get to get become part of each other's network, perhaps get to know, like trust each other, maybe become referral partners for each Mm -hmm. other. And it also is valuable to people who might want to listen to what I have to say, people who might want to listen to what you have to say. And it's such a cool thing. And it's one of the reasons it's starting to blow up, but that network effect is a really cool part of it. Being able to meet other people, being able to talk to other people. So yeah, it's definitely scratches that itch for me. So Robert, there's a lot of people who listen to podcasts and don't decide to create their own, right? You said it in a really quick way, but that was a really big jump for you. Can you give more details about how you listen to a podcast and was like, I can do this. So it's, it's funny you asked that a lot of times the things that define us in life happen really slowly. One thing happens and then another thing. And then all of those things just kind of nudge us in a direction. Yeah. I know where I was when the switch flipped. I had listened to that first podcast that the book sent me to. I didn't really like it. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. And so I'm already in the app and I'm like, well, what else? I'm running a law office at the time. I'm struggling with my employees. I've got some associates. I've got, you know, paralegal and I'm struggling to be a good manager, to be effective. Mm -hmm. And so I just typed in office culture. Like, how do I figure this out? Right. Let's let's see what's in this uh, podcast world. Yeah. And this show came up called Awesome Office. It is no longer producing episodes, but I press play on episode one and I start listening. And the first guest is this guy named Tom Bilyeu. And he was founder of Quest Nutrition, like Quest Bars, Protein Bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like at that point, I think it had just become a billion dollar company and it had happened really quickly in a really competitive space. But I'm listening to this guy talk and you can tell that he is excited about business, but what he's real excited about is mindset and you can be anything you want right? And how many times have we heard that? We've been hearing that since our earliest moments. And it was one of those moments where standing on the street and I went, huh, (laughs) I think I can be anything I want. Yeah. I listened to it many times after that. And then he had his own podcast. He was still at Quest at the time and it was called Inside Quest, but it was basically a mindset podcast. It was really focused on empowering yourself. And he talks about his job being to pull people out of the matrix. 
Okay. And it's such a beautiful way to look at it because that's what I feel like you did for me. I was kind of plugged into this idea about the way the world worked. And after listening to him, I felt like I had just pulled back and saw things in a way I'd never seen them before. And 30 days later, I owned $1,000 worth of gear. I owned the microphone that I'm talking to you right now on. Mm -hmm. And listening to him and how profoundly he was making these points that I'd never really heard made in that way before, I said, oh my gosh, there's so much power here. And the medium itself was so beautiful to me. The fact that I opened it up for the purpose of listening to this one podcast that a book had told me to listen to, but then I realized everything's in there. Yeah. Like, do you want to know what the best needles are for a beginning crocheter? Boom. <laughs> Episodes for that. Like, yeah. everything's in there and it's so intimate. Like you're mm -hmm. really whispering in someone's ear yeah. and you're having conversations with people all over the world and discussing ideas and you didn't need an audience. There mm -hmm. were no more gatekeepers the way there used to be. You can start a podcast with zero listeners in the beginning if you want to, just to figure it out, just to kick the tires and get better at it. And it doesn't matter because all you're sacrificing is your time, but it still gets out in the world and it still has this opportunity to create impact on other people. Yeah. And then you don't need that many listeners to have a successful podcast, depending on what you're trying to do, you don't have to worry about, oh, I need to get an executive sign off. I need to make this palatable for the largest mm -hmm. number of people. That way it'll actually make some money. I have lawyers who get 50 downloads per mm -hmm. episode and they are thrilled with that. Yeah. Because the kind of person that would take time out of their day to listen to that specific kind of episode <laughs> has really deep pockets or what they're talking about wouldn't even matter. Yeah. So yeah, that's the short answer for the things I love about podcasting and what just drew me in so quickly to it. Yeah. Hey there. I want to take a minute to thank Journey in Practice, a season five friend of the podcast. Journey in Practice offers the Heart Center Lawyers Membership, a community of law students, grads, and lawyers who participate in self-care activities to improve their legal journey and practice. Use code PODCAST for a special rate when enrolling in the Heart Center Lawyers Membership. Use the link in the show notes. So you started your own podcast, and then you decided to create Law Pods. And that is where you are now. You are the chief podcast strategist, which sounds very cool. <laughs> And would you give the audience a few details about what you do with Law Pods and why it was created? Sure. So the, the, the title is just something I was sitting down. I'm like, I got to give myself a title. and I don't want it to be CEO. I feel like, especially when it was just me at the company. Yeah. I was like, CEO of a one-person band just feels, I don't know, it didn't feel right. I was like, I'm going to make it something <laughs> a little bit different. So I just thought that up. But at Law Pods, the way it started was I loved doing what I was doing. I loved doing my own podcast, thought it was a lot of fun. And then... I was like, I think there's consulting work here. I wasn't really thinking I'm going to produce, but I was like, I think there might be consulting. And I started doing some consulting at spaces around town because it turned out that I'd gotten so deep into it. I was so interested. I learned so much that I was in a position where I knew a lot more than the average person. You were doing podcast consulting? Yes. That's how okay. it started. Okay. Okay. Is I was just training people on how to use gear, on yeah. how to set up a podcast, how to set up an RSS feed all the little things that people wanted to know. Mm -hmm. I started going to co-working spaces and just pitching myself, Hey, I can help your people. Cause they would have studios, but they wouldn't really have a person inside mm -hmm. the co-working space who really knew what to do. Yeah. And so I would just, you know, get paid way too little money, but it's okay. I was learning to <laughs> go in and help people do these things. And then I ended up going to a conference in Los Angeles and I won the ticket. Otherwise I wouldn't have gone. And we mm -hmm. scraped some miles together. I get out there. And the first night that I was there, it was like, I found my people. 
it was an amazing feeling. Everyone I talked to was so excited about podcasting and what they were doing. They want to talk about theirs. And I met all these amazing contacts. I mean, real rock stars in the world of podcasting who mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, I'm talking to people who I've listened to yeah. on shows. And it's weird when you're at a conference and you hear people like behind you and you're like, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> I know that voice. Yeah. And what's funny is I'd be like, man, they talk really slow because I listen on 2X. So I'm like, mm. really hard to listen to you in person. <laughs> <laughs> But at the conference, I'd met people who were producing. So that kind of planted it in my mind. They were actually making money doing it. I come back a couple months after that. I'm at a lawyer networking event. And this relatively prominent lawyer in town is talking to me. He's like, I see you're doing that podcasting stuff. He's like, I've been thinking about that. He's like, do you want to help me do one? I said, yeah, yeah, sure. He's like, all right, come over in the morning. Boom. What a good client, right? Like, let's yeah. start tomorrow. And so I launched this podcast for him. And, mm -hmm. you know, I hosted it for him. Like I was drawing up a lot of the ideas and I did all the work. I made his cover art because I couldn't afford to give that money away to somebody else. So I learned yeah. how to use Photoshop and cut everything out. And that was my first client. And I was like, this is really fun. And then <laughs> I ended up teaching a class uh, about a month after that. And one of the people in the class was a lawyer and they said, okay, now you've taught me how to do it. I definitely don't want to do it. You do it for me. So that was mm. my second client. And it was still really slow going. Yeah. And, you know, the first couple of years, it was really, really hard to get a client. And really the pandemic is what really sent it forward is what okay. really had people scrambling and looking for it. Everyone, they were stuck. They couldn't go out to conferences anymore. They couldn't do in-person events and they wanted to figure out a new interesting way to market. Mm -hmm. And podcasting came to a lot of people's minds. So I started really ramping up my business at that point. But as far as like what we really do, our value prop that we tell people just in a sentence, you do the talking, we do the rest. Yeah. I was listening to, I think Kristen on one of your episodes mm -hmm. and she said, producing a podcast is like another full-time job. Yeah. And I knew that because I'd done it out of my firm. I'd done it for other people. It's a lot of work. And I said, they're not going to do it. If I give them too much work, honestly, if I give them any homework, it's very unlikely that any of it will get done. Yeah. And so how can I create a business? Because I think they're going to need it. I see the trends moving up. Businesses are coming. I think it's going to matter for SEO. And so how can I do that? And we really created a system that allows lawyers to click a button, show up, talk, hang up, and then they've got a podcast. Mm -hmm. They've got a fully produced, edited, I mean, professional intros and outros with voice actors who are some of the best in the world. These are Nissan, you know, commercials, PlayStation, yeah. like some amazing stuff. We recently lost one of our voice artists because he just got too famous doing Disney trailers, like for Marvel movies. <laughs> amazing to have people wow. who do my podcast doing Marvel movies now. But that was important. I wanted everything to be good. Yeah. One of my mentors years ago told me, there is always room in the market to be the best. And I leaned into that idea. I said, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to see what other people are doing and I'm going to be better. And so we wanted to have the best voice artists. We wanted to have the best editors. You know, we wanted lawyers to feel like they could be comfortable with us. Yeah. That, a, we're lawyers. We understand you. But B, if you mess up, you make a mistake, we're going to catch it. We're going to mm -hmm. cut your ums where we can. So you don't feel like you're stumbling as much. We're going to make you sound like you're having your best public speaking day while leaving no trace of, of us being there. Yes. And so we edit that. Then we're going to write long form show notes with transcripts that we're linking all of that out. We're putting timestamps on everything like great for SEO. We're going to create marketing assets around the podcast, quote images. We're going to make uh, video clips where we have captions on them that you can share on LinkedIn. That way people actually see them. That's mm -hmm. branding you. It, it's engaging. Yeah. Because if you drop a link of your podcast onto LinkedIn, the odds of it going anywhere are really low. And so you've got this full complement of content. We tell them more content in a fraction of the time. Mm -hmm. You show up, you talk, you've got a podcast episode, you've got these long form show notes and transcripts, you've got all these marketing app episode assets, seven different pieces of content, like video and quote images yeah. uh, from every episode that you're doing. 
And so there's a, that's the short answer again for what we're allowing lawyers to do. But, you know, the key to it is the simplicity. You show up, you record, and we'll take care of everything else. And that's really, really important. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because it's almost like you guys are doing the podcast magic on the back end, and they just have to make their contribution as the host, and then the rest is done. And I mean, things work like that in every other industry. It's like that for TV. It's like that for movies. So it makes sense that you would create that for legal podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any plans on branching out into non-legal podcasts or are you really just enjoying the niche that you have and you have enough clients so you're fine? So right now we work mainly with lawyers and, Mm -hmm. but that is really very much a, was a marketing angle. It was a way to get started. You always hear, you know, riches in the niches, right? Yeah. And I, I did it because it's where my entire network was there. So I knew it was going to be a good way to start getting in with people and, and capitalizing on that existing network. I also knew that lawyers show up mm-hmm. late to everything. They showed up late to websites. They showed up late to SEO. They showed up late to social media. Yeah. But I also knew that when they show up, they show up with their money bags. Yeah. And, and when they buy in, they buy in. I mean, there was a, a strategic gamble because when I started in 17 with my first client, it wasn't a certainty that this was going to be a thing that was going to work for businesses mm-hmm. there because Google podcast didn't even exist yet. Google hadn't gone in and, and yeah. really and said, Hey, this matters for SEO. And so it was very much a gamble, but I believed in it. I was deep in the industry. I was looking at the numbers. I saw consumer behavior shifting towards the idea of, I kind of like to listen for information. Mm -hmm. And so I very much expected that people were going to want to come to your website and maybe listen to a little bit. That's why they wanted to read your blogs. They want to know who you are. They want to know if you know what you're talking about, get a a vibe for you. Yeah. And so I I said, okay, so we're going to focus on those law firms. It'll be easier for me to build some business inside law. I should be an early entry to the service providers for lawyers because other people aren't going to show up yet because they're frankly, wasn't that much money in it yet. And so I went in on lawyers along the way. My third client was a, an M&A advisory firm and they okay. just found me. One of their offices was in Charlotte and they were asking around and my name was in the community. Yeah. And somebody said, oh, you should check this guy out. He knows about this. And so they called me, they were my third client and they, I still work with them. Wow. And yeah, we have a number of clients outside law, but we don't market to them. Okay. But the reason we did that is because what we do in the back end is pretty much identical. So long-term, our plans are to build verticals. We own URLs for you know different areas for tax, for healthcare. And so the plan is to build out verticals to serve those specific niches. Yeah. But I do love the lawyer niche because you know I was a lawyer. I enjoy talking to the lawyers about what they're doing. I enjoy helping them create content specifically for the type of problem they're trying to solve. So I love law pods. It's, you know, it's the thing that changed my life. Yeah. And I'm really excited about doing it, but there are plans to branch out to, to different niches as well. Okay. Yeah. Podcasting, I feel like it's changed my life as well because it reminded me of how creative I used to be. Like I went to an arts driven elementary school. So I grew up making pottery birds and painting and doing all this stuff. And then I kind of forgot it. And then I was like, wait, okay, I have a podcast. I love writing my show notes. (laughs) I used to have really long ones, but then the short ones that have a lot of questions in them are a little bit, they're performing better on the website. Of course. So then I got into, wait, let me blog about podcasting. So I'm in that space now where I'm completely creative driven and I'm like, what do I want to do? Like in three years, what would this look like if I was still doing this? Cause I still edit the podcast myself. I do all the marketing and stuff because I'm having fun with it. Like that really touches my soul when you say creativity. 
I was convinced that I was a non-creative. I mean, there was no two ways around it. I'm not good at art. I'm yeah. not good at anything creative. I had just mired myself in this mindset until I was really 35 okay. that I was not the kind of person. And honestly, this comes right back to Tom Bilyeu. And he was like, basically, screw that. You are who you decide to be. You are what you repeatedly do is something mm -hmm. you hear a lot. And then podcasting was the first area where I went, wow, turns out I'm super creative. <laughs> like I, I'm good at understanding who the person that is listening is. Like, what's that person? life? What is it they're trying to hear? And then writing it in a way that it isn't just words. Mm -hmm. It means something. It's something that has emotional resonance to it. Yeah. So, and then we mix that with music. Where does the beat drop? Where does it come up? Mm -hmm. Where, like, how, how can we make this an experience for the listener that starts the show? Then we choose the right voice actor and we make sure that actor is reading it in a way that is conveying what we want the audience to hear. And so it's yeah. all those pieces moving together. And I'm just astounded. Like that is never something I thought that I would be good at. And yeah. it turns out I'm highly creative and I love <laughs> being creative. And that yeah. encouraged me to start playing the guitar, to start doing other creative endeavors. I'm in a worse mood if I go too long without being creative. Mm -hmm. like it, it matters to my mental health now. And yeah, I love it. 100%. I love it. Yeah, I believe that too. So Robert, in wrapping up here, I always ask the guest if there was one thing or a couple things that you would say to someone listening who doesn't understand how or why they would change their mind if they're unhappy with their legal career, what would you say to them? There is almost nothing that you can't do if you are interested enough and passionate enough to spend the time doing it. Yeah. Because, you know, back to you are what you repeatedly do. You can create yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 2022. You know, if we are going to rewind seven years, I have just gone on my honeymoon the month before. It was a terrible honeymoon. Not terrible, like terrible, terrible, but it was, <laughs> yeah. well, I, I mean, I want to be honest. Like it was, it was really stressful. Okay. Because I had a lot of stuff blowing up at the law office while I was out. Mm -hmm. A lot of things going on. A lot of uh, serious family law problems had popped up with some of my cases while I was there and I couldn't be there. And it was, it was a super, super stressful. My, like I had several clients really angry. And so it just kind of just took the flavor out of what should have been a really beautiful moment. And then I come back a month later in May and I don't even have enough money to pay my bills. Yeah. Like I'm going to people trying to get loans in order to be able to try to pay employees and pay rent. And I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed out. And then just a few months after that, I listened to a podcast that told me I could be anything I wanted to be. Right. Yeah. And, and I leaned into that idea and I started making decisions in furtherance of that mm -hmm. idea one after, and it was slow. It was really slow. Yeah. You know, it's always slower than you think it's going to be. It's always going to take longer. <laughs> yeah. And, but I just kept making decisions and things got really ugly and really hard. And we had some, you know, real come to Jesus meetings, like between me and my <laughs> wife about like, where's the money? We have a yeah. baby now. I'm happy. And, you're happy, but. Right. But you got to get it together. And she was right. And that was hard, but I was committed to what I was trying to do. And I said, I'll figure it out. And that's why I got a second job mm -hmm. and, and started hustling on the nights and the weekends in, in my spare time. And, and I just kept making decisions one after another that put me a little bit closer to the thing that I wanted to do. And I think that's my biggest piece of advice. If you want to do something, it's on you. It's, it's no one else's problem. It's no one else's fault. No one's going to save you. No one's yeah. going to discover you on a street <laughs> corner because you're just so wonderful. Like, you know, for most of us, that's the reality. Yeah. We just have to keep making one decision after another and, and, and accepting setbacks 
and moving yeah. forward towards the thing that we want. And we, even if we don't know what it is, just kind of start chasing things. Yeah. And when you start doing something that you're excited about doing, like, you know, podcasting was a hobby. I made no money from it for a really long time mm -hmm. and I, I did it anyway. And I would continue to do it right the second if I wasn't making yeah, money because I enjoy it's it. Fun. Yeah. And so find something that you enjoy doing. I know not everybody's, you know, necessarily maybe going to have this exact same story, but I just think that there's a lot more out there if you're willing to lean into that discomfort and, and, and find that creative space and do something interesting with it. Yeah. And what you're saying sounds like a lot of tough love, right? No one's going to just discover you on the street. You have to lean into some of the discomfort. But honestly, because you found something you enjoyed, it probably made that second job less of a burden because you're like, at least this stress is now removed. So now I can really have fun when I'm podcasting. Absolutely. And it was in furtherance of something. Yeah. It wasn't just going to get a paycheck. It was building my empire. You yes. know, like it was, I'm doing this every time I go here, I'm doing this because mm -hmm. I've heard this before, but if you have a big enough, why you can put up with anyhow. Yeah. You know, oh, I and I did, that. I did. I had this reason to do what I wanted. And then my baby was born and oh my God, I was born to be a father. And so I had her to look at and I said, I've got it. Like, so mm -hmm. I, I was able to put up with all of those hard struggles and low points because I knew where I was headed. Yeah. I think all of that was for me. If nobody else got anything, that was for me. Yeah. yeah. I'm consistently excited about what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm always looking back at who I used to be in mm -hmm. awe and just awe. Like, I can't believe all these amazing things that you did and what you got through, like very much like, wow, great going dude. And then I'm always excited <laughs> about like looking to the future about like, things are good. Like we figure things out. We're in such a different place. Like, where's it about to be now? You mm -hmm. know, like I'm going to keep making those decisions in furtherance of where I'm trying to go. Yeah. So it's very exciting. And keep protecting your mental health and your mental space. Oh. And Absolutely. Have fun with it. I see my therapist once a month, no matter what's going on. Yeah. It's a big one. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Robert. This was a great conversation. Hey, thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening to You Are Lawyer. New episodes are released every Thursday. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and tell a friend to listen to the podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.